0: Your reality. The comments and opinions of this program may be considered offensive. Viewer discretion is advised. Uncommon Sense is now available for your listening convenience on Anchor.fm. Anchor allows our podcast to be available on more platforms. Click a link in the description below to connect to your favorite listening app and stream Uncommon Sense today. Thank you for your listening and supporting our show. If you haven't already, hit subscribe and lay a smack down on that notification bell to get notified anytime we post new content. Thanks again from your hosts at Uncommon Sense. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Uncommon Sense. Here we are again on another Freedom Friday, and I would like to uh, bring a little timeline into perspective for those that don't know, or haven't heard, or just want to completely deny what led the, us to the freedom that we have today. And that that's going to make a lot of sense here, and to give you a little brief history lesson at the same time. So, stand by, grab a seat, pull up a chair, and listen. February 10th, 1763. The Treaty of Paris ends in the Seven Years' War. For those that don't know, that's the French and Indian War. France surrenders all of its North American possessions east of the Mississippi to Britain. This ends a source of insecurity for the British colonists along the Atlantic coast. The cost of the war and maintaining an army will lead the British government to impose new taxes on its colonists, with world-shaking results. March 22, 1765. British passes the Stamp Act, imposing a tax on legal documents, newspapers, and even playing cards. This is the first direct tax on the American colonists and is hotly resisted. A successful American campaign to have the act repealed will give Americans confidence that they can avoid future taxes as well. October 1768. British troops land in Boston to enforce the Townshend duties. Those were taxes on paint, paper, tea, etc. passed in June of 1767 and clamped down on local radicals. The troops' presence doesn't sit well with locals and leads to street fights. One clash between soldiers and a mob in March of 1770 will leave five dead. Radicals will call it the Boston Massacre, while the British will call it the incident on King Street. Spring of 1772, committees of correspondence are established throughout the colonies to coordinate American response to British colonial policy. This represents an important move towards cooperation, mutual action, and the development of a national identity among Americans. March to June of 1774 The British Parliament passes the Coercive Acts, often called the Intolerable Acts in America. Among other actions, Britain closes the Port of Boston and requires British troops to be housed in taverns and vacant buildings. The acts generate considerable sympathy for Massachusetts, among other colonies. On April 19, 1775, the first shots of the Revolutionary War are fired at Lexington and Concord in Massachusetts. The news of the bloodshed rockets along the eastern seaboard, and thousands of volunteers converge, called Minutemen, on Cambridge, Massachusetts. These are the beginnings of the Continental Army. November 1775, the British governor of Virginia, Lord Dunmore, issues a proclamation offering freedom to any slaves of rebellious Americans who are able to enter British lines. Throughout the course of the war, tens of thousands of African Americans will seek their freedom by supporting the British. A small number will fight on the patriot or pro-independent side, despite policies that discourage their enlistment. June 17, 1775. In the first major action of the war, inexperienced colonial soldiers hold off hardened British veterans for more than two hours at Breed's Hill. Although eventually forced to abandon their position, including the high ground of Bunker Hill overlooking Boston, the Patriots show that they are not intimidated by the long lines of red-coated infantrymen. Of the 2,200 British seeing action more than one thousand end up dead or wounded a force of loyalists americans who want to remain british subjects most of them are scots uh, of Scots descent is defeated by a patriot army at the battle of Moore's creek bridge this setback will largely quiet loyalist activity in the carolinas for three years june 28 1776 A British invasion force mounts an all-day attack on a Patriot force on Sullivan's Island. The invaders are unable to land their troops on the island, and the tricky waters of Charleston Harbor frustrate the British Navy. The fleet retires in defeat, and South Carolina will remain untouched by the enemy for three more years. July 1776. The Declaration of Independence is adopted by the Second Continental Congress. Following a decade of agitation over taxes and a year of war, representatives make the break with Britain. King George III isn't willing to let his subjects go without a fight, and loyalist sentiment remains strong in many areas. Americans' primary allegiance is to their states. Nationalism will grow slowly. December 1776 to January 1777, in a bold move, Washington moves his troops into New Jersey on Christmas night. The Patriots then surprise a force of German troops fighting for Britain at Trenton on December 26. They achieve a similar victory over British troops at Princeton on January 3rd, reviving hopes that the war just might be winnable. The army then encamps for the winter at Morristown, New Jersey. October 17, 1777. General John Bergeon's attempt to separate the rebellious New England colonies from those farther south ends in a spectacular failure. The surrender of 6,000 British regulars at Saratoga will shock London and help induce France to enter the war on the American side. December 1777, with the British occupying Philadelphia just 20 miles away, the Continental Army enters winter quarters at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. During the winter, supply arrangements will be improved and the Continental troops will be drilled and emerge as a more disciplined, unified fighting force. February 1778, as a result of the Patriot victory at Saratoga, and American diplomatic efforts, France allies itself with the new American government. French financial and military aid will prove critical in winning the war. The Continental Army will learn of the French alliance in May. May to December, 1778. With barely 150 men, Virginia George Rogers Clark captures several British posts in the Ohio Territory present-day Illinois and Indiana, and convinces French-speaking inhabitants of the Kaskakia and Cahokia to support the Patriot side. Although Indians will continue to oppose white settlement for three decades, Clark's exploits paved the way for t- the expansion of the, U- the U.S. north of the Ohio River. May 12, 1780. The British take Charleston, South Carolina, capture a large Patriot army, and deal the rebels one of their worst defeats of the war. The Charleston move is part of a broader British strategy to hang on to the southern colonies, at least now that the war is stalemated in Pennsylvania and New York. October 7, 1780. Patriot militia from the Carolinas, Virginia, and present-day Tennessee surround and defeat a force of Loyalists under Major Patrick Ferguson at Kings Mountain, South Carolina. Indicating the deep divisions within America, Ferguson is the only British soldier on the field. Kings Mountain is truly a battle among Americans about their future. January 17, 1781. Continental soldiers and Patriot militia under General Daniel Morgan defeat a British force under Bannister Tarleton at Cowpins. Coming on the heels of the victory at Kings Mountain, Cowpens helps convince worried patriots that the British Southern strategy can be countered. March 15th, 1781. British troops win a costly victory over continentals and militia at Guilford Courthouse, North Carolina. The battle is part of General Nathaniel Greene's strategy of en- engaging the British on ground of his choosing. Without winning a single clear-cut victory, he will succeed in wearing down the British army through hit-and-run tactics and set-piece battles. May to June, 1781. The isolated British garrison at 96 is laid siege to by Patriot forces under General Nathaniel Green. The approach of a British relief column leads Green to make a final, unsuccessful assault on the fort on June 18th. The events at 96 underlined the fact that Britain has too few troops to hold the southern hinterlands. September to October 1781. A joint French and American force traps a large British Army on Virginia's Yorktown Peninsula. Unable to evacuate or receive reinforcements because a French fleet has driven off a British fleet, General Cornwallis is forced to surrender. Although New York City and Charleston, South Carolina will remain in British hands until a peace treaty is signed two years later. The war for American independence is essentially over. January 1782 The evacuation of loyalists begins. Largely unwelcome in the new United States, about 100,000 Americans who remain loyal to the crown find new lives in Britain, Canada, and British colonies in the West Indies. Among them are about 15,000 African Americans, some of whom end up helping to found the country of Sierra Leone in Africa. The loyalist experience will have a profound effect on the development of Canada's national identity. September 3rd, 1783. The Treaty of Paris ratifies the independence of the 13 North American states. Canada remains a British province beginning its separate development as a U.S. neighbor. Another war with England, 1812 to 1815, will be necessary to truly secure the American nation. October 1784. The treaty at Fort Stanwix imposes a peace on those members of the Iroquois Confederacy that sided with the British in the Revolution. The war's aftermath will prove devastating to Native Americans. With no European allies to rely upon, Indian tribes will be under increasing pressure from settlers, moving west out of the original 13 states. 1787 A convention of states in Philadelphia proposes the Constitution to replace the much looser central government operating under the Articles of Confederation adopted in 1777. With amendments, the Constitution remains the framework of government in the United States. I'm glad you are listening. I hope you learned something. Uh, I'm glad you're uh, with us today. And I would like to thank you for your support. With that, good night and be well. (laughs) Damn it Billy, give me back my liquor.